Welcome everyone, one and all, to the very first episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake presents Good Movie Podcast, <laughs> question mark. Gotta find a way to shorten that already. <laughs> well, it'll be, you know, we'll have like the anagram yeah. up. Um, but as we teased at the end of a recent episode, uh, again, we're not sure what order this is going up in, no. but we promised a, a more glimmering, beautiful reflection of Sinister Six mm-hmm. in which we watch movies that are actually good. Yeah. Uh, but not, you know ironically good mm-hmm. or, movies that uh, we love yeah, yeah. Uh, that that could not and do not deserve to be put into the sinister six pot no uh because obviously jonathan and i are huge movie fans mm-hmm. we love a lot of movies um so it's not quite proper to showcase them yeah. Yeah. in the same thing where you know the incredible melting man was showcased of course well some may call that the definition of cinema dan of course just of course. course yeah um but you know this is this is to sort of balance the scales mm-hmm. between what we do on sinister 6 the good and the evil um yeah so this is this is very much the good mm-hmm. uh, but for this first episode we you know as we're testing out this format or a lack thereof mm-hmm. uh we wanted to go with what what should be a very simple movie for us to cover because yeah. it is an excellent movie yeah. and one that we've known yes for a long time our lives a major part of our lives yep. uh, we are watching 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah uh, as directed by Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. based on a screenplay uh, written by Spielberg himself and Lawrence Kasdan who mm-hmm. of course wrote Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi Force Awakens and Solo a Star Wars story <laughs> among other things yeah. Um, but this was very much kind of the, the brainchild of Spielberg, uh, George Lucas and Kazdan all kind of coming together to make a tribute to early 20th century serial action adventure films. And that's your type of genre. Yeah. You will be spearheading this. So to, to clarify, uh, what, you know, Indiana Jones kind of embodies in case anyone is unaware Mm -hmm. is that, uh, back in the, back in the old days when, when movie theaters, the moving pictures were originally a thing, Mm -hmm. there would be these action serials, which would be short subject films that would play in consecutive order at, a given movie theater. Mm-hmm. So it was incentive for the viewers to keep coming back and watching that day's lineup of be it, you know, short form movies, regular movies, you know, pro- like news propaganda movies, mm-hmm. whatever you can imagine. Uh, you would, it would incentivize you to keep coming back and paying, buying more tickets to see how this adventure continues. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, as, you know, this movie kind of represents pretty well, the characters, you know, a well-defined hero, maybe a damsel in distress or something, would face a, again, well-defined antagonist <laughs> going through some kind of dangerous adventure. Uh, and then every single segment would end on what we now know as a cliffhanger. Yeah. Because many times in these old-timey serials, the characters would literally be hanging on to the side of a cliff, and the audience... You know, the old-timey audience with their, you know, big paper popcorn bags mm-hmm. would be like, how are they going to yeah. get out of this one? The suspense is killing. So it was it was often something like that. It was often, you know, uh, hanging off a cliff, a snake is approaching, a beast <laughs> is approaching, or one of the characters behind them, like, pulls out a gun. Someone ate a bad date. And, you know, watching Raiders and really watching other Indiana Jones movies, you see that happen. You can see where the cuts would happen yes. where, in the a, serial. like, a character is about to betray Indy or his friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in some, they're facing some kind of natural obstacle or a trap, and you wonder how are they going to get out of this one. So that is what this is going for. Uh, by 1980s standards, it was very much a modern take slash revitalization 
of these old action serials. Mm. Um, so what is our history with this franchise? Mm. Uh, I have seen all of the Indiana Jones movies... <laughs> Far too much. ...thousands of times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I love this series... I want to say that Raiders was probably one of the, f- like, earliest movies I have a memory of watching. <laughs> not the Pokemon movie? Interesting. Not the Pokemon movie. Mm, that's uh, one of my first. Be- well, because, unironically, it can't be the Pokemon movie, because <laughs> I remember seeing trailers for the Pokemon movie when my, you know, so I... I Doring Indiana it. Jones. <laughs> um, but these have been, I think, along with the 90s remastered versions of Star Wars and, of course, the Godzilla movies, mm-hmm. the, the, these are some of my earliest movie yeah. memories. And I think this is going to be an exploration of taste as well, kind of like yeah. how our different tastes have defined us. I mean, we both do have a connection with Indiana Jones, all of the first one. My dad was a huge huge champion of this yeah it was one of the things we bonded over i would say i watched the first two mm-hmm. so this and temple of doom a lot more than i watched uh, last crusade mm-hmm. and especially as we learned last night i've only seen crystal skull once so and and that's kind of where thankfully we balance out mm-hmm. we are in this for different reasons yeah. perhaps but we decided <laughs> in the race. you know like one reason we would start with raiders is because you very much love temple of doom yes uh, if I were to ever pick an Indiana Jones, it would be that one. Despite, uh, you know, the criticism therein that we'll get to if we ever do that. Of course. Yeah. But it is my favorite. This one is a, a close second. You love Temple of Doom. I love The Last Crusade. The mm-hmm. Last Crusade is probably my favorite uh, Indiana Jones movie. Um, Crystal Skull I have <laughs> softened on over the years. Uh, especially when what we're about to reveal comes to light. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about the the, uh, the dial in the room. Yeah. But, uh, so I guess I'll have to talk about that one. But, <laughs> you know, so we, we've kind of had a, a different relationship as it's kept mm-hmm. going. I, I would define Last Crusade as the one I've seen the most. And then weirdly, Crystal Skull is probably just because of reruns on wow. TV, I've, I've, yeah. you know, it's like ingrained into my brain. Well, if we ever do that, it's like, I'll be seeing that for the first time. Yeah, and, and gonna make sure we keep it that way. Yeah. Cause I didn't gotta... even realize Camp Blanchett was in that movie. <laughs> she is. Yeah. Yeah. Eyes on by hate. Yeah. But, you know, the series, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, defined that era of cinema for a bit. It, it was immensely popular. It, they didn't think it was going to be. No. There, you know, the estimates, the projections when this movie was about to come out were not that great. They're yeah. like, oh, they're making some kind of weird throwback adventure mm-hmm. movie. Audiences aren't really, there's not a lot of buzz about mm-hmm. this. But then it came out. I think it became the highest grossing film of that year. Nominated for quite a few Oscars, I saw. Yeah. Yes. One a few. And it was, it obviously kind of took the world by storm and it started this Indiana Jones franchise. And my first point, they retroactively added the Indiana Jones nomaker to the moniker to the movie. They did. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because uh, Indiana Jones is one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, <laughs> yes. so it doesn't make sense. No. Nope. Uh, but yes, they did retroactively add Indiana Jones, similar to how they did the rename the Star Wars movies from. Uh, just Star Wars to Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, a lot of stuff like that going on in the 80s and 90s. Um, but then it was followed up by Temple of Doom, of course, which is a prequel, mm-hmm. technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, then The Last Crusade, which is a actual sequel. Then the series went dormant for a long time. <laughs> I, I assume that when we get to Crystal Skull, we'll look into why. But the thing, I guess, at that era was just to do a trilogy... And then you're done. Yeah. For the most part, 
Hollywood back then had some self-control. You get three movies out, and you stop comfortably at three movies. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones didn't need to, because these are serialized adventures. Yeah. Every, you know, it's a new relic, it's a new journey, it's a new thing each time. But they just stopped at three. Uh... I guess that Last Crusade kind of puts, like, a cap on the character in a certain way, because we learn about his family, we learn about his childhood. So, if you, you know, were going to end a trilogy with anything, it would make sense for that movie. But there was always room to keep going. Mm. Uh, There was also that uh, that Indiana Jones in uh, something like The Lost City of Atlantis, uh, or the... There were multiple Indiana Jones video games that were made that were basically canon because Lucasfilm... there was a lot of books, too. Lots of books and a show, The Young Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. Adventures, which Harrison Ford actually cameos in. I've seen stuff going around on TikTok about that recently, so Mm -hmm. people are becoming aware that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So lots of, like, in-between adventures for most of the 90s. And then we finally come to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Not a great response. Nope. Uh... You know, it was mercilessly mocked in a lot of places, like South Park, etc. You know, you got the old Indiana Jones, he's teaming up with Shia LaBeouf, and there's Cate Blanchett as a a Ruski, and they're looking for aliens that have to do with Roswell, but they're not really aliens. Um, So the lackluster response to that one kind of put the movie back on, you know, the franchise back in the cooler for a bit. And then finally, we come to, uh, after Disney has acquired Lucasfilm and what, you know, all of the other 20th Century Fox slash, this was, this was Paramount, mm-hmm. so some of those properties go over to Disney. I think one of the earliest things they announced was an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we finally started to get more rumblings about it a couple years at one of those, uh, like, uh, Star Wars celebration where uh-huh. Lucasfilm unveils things. Um, and we finally come to Dial of Destiny. Yeah. Which... We've experienced together last night. We did. Yeah. Um, so that that's one reason why it was kind of fortuitous to do Raiders first, yeah. because a lot of people are talking about Indiana Jones. As you pointed out, many of your favorite podcasts and shows are doing Temple of Doom episodes. Mm-hmm. A lot of discourse going through the TikTok sphere yeah. about these movies. Gotta have our finger on the pulse, even though this will go up who knows when. But, but you know, to get into the proper mindset, mm-hmm. last night we did go see Dial of Destiny. Mm-hmm. Any initial thoughts, God help your soul, Jonathan? <laughs> I liked that there was a donkey in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 The donkey got a beauty shot. Yeah. I enjoyed Phoebe Waller-Bridge's performance. I did too. She was trying her darndest with the material that was provided, but... Dan, I hate to say it, but it was not a good movie. It was not a good movie. No, no it was dumb. And I don't know if I went in expecting that it would be better than Crystal Skull that I only saw once and have a vague recollection of. But so far, it didn't live up to that. So It is, in my opinion, a solid movie most of the way through. And then that last part, when it hits that goofy switch, it, it you know, it stays there and... Mm. It just leaves kind of a weird taste in your mouth. Yeah. Like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think halfway through, hits the stupid point, and then it kind of just goes downhill from there. Dial of Destiny is like, eh. And then it gets really, really stupid. Yeah. Arguably more stupid than Crystal Skull does. Mm-hmm. 
which again makes me reflect more fondly on Crystal Skull than yeah. I had previously. Yeah. Um, because at very at the very least, Crystal Skull was a more straightforward, happy ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dial of Destiny. Like a lot of modern movies that we've gone to see, mm. you were with me when we saw Rise of Skywalker. Yes, uh, yes. A- a- and there, I've seen many a franchise die with Dan that he loves. Uh, yeah, and um, and Dial of Destiny felt like a lot of it was was reshot. Yeah, there were a lot of like little plot elements, like villain hubris things, where it's like, oh, the the villain has miscalculated. It's going to send them to some other crazy. Uh, spoiler alert, there's time travel involved. Not enough time travel. Not enough. No, not nearly as much or as uh, crazy I thought it was gonna go. Yeah, we we were both, like, in that moment. If anything, it was lacking in the time travel. Yeah, no, we were, we were both, when it was, we were watching it play out, we are like, oh, this has the potential to get really weird. I also saw that the budget was insane, and I assumed that was due to CGI, which is present throughout the first third of the movie. Yes. That, like, opening sequence is basically all CGI. It is a lot of CGI. But there weren't, depending on, like, we've seen a lot of films involving time travel. Yes. This was very light on that. Yeah, and it again, it just feels like there's all these little things that are introduced to set stuff up, and then it, it feels like that ending was 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 changed mm-hmm. uh, because we discussed you know the rumors that were going around with this movie, and I I don't know if it was anything as extreme as the rumors that we covered, um, it, but James Mangold and that tweet with all those quotation marks, mm-hmm. we don't know what was reshot. Um, because I feel like there was a much more definitive passing of the torch in the original version. Yeah. Um, maybe a much more definitive villain fight, because the Mads Mikkelsen, as Nazi, just kind of dies. Yeah. He's, like, in a plane crash, and yeah. he dies. Yeah. And I thought he was going to get thwacked and have, like, some zany time adventures in that opening scene. Yeah. Because he takes a really hard fall, but well, he comes back just fine. Well, on the note of his thwacking... Yeah. I expected, in in Indiana Jones fashion, similar to, like, Tot in this movie with the medallion Mm -hmm. burned into his hand, Mm -hmm. that, like, Mads would pull part of his face off Uh and reveal that it was, like, a prosthetic, Mm -hmm. you know, plastic piece because his face had been hit by a fucking train signal, (laughs) so, at high speed. Um, But that didn't end up happening. No. Nothing ended up happening. He looks great. (laughs) Mads pulled through. We got to meet Archimedes. Yep. Uh, Who, he, he make it to pizza? You know, Indiana <laughs> Jones' is true love, apparently. Yeah. He was they, willing to sacrifice anything to just spend one more day with his man. And Phoebe Waller-Bridges has, has to talk him out of it and then oh punch gosh. him and bring him back to the present. Yeah, and of course uh, our girl Marion shows up for that paycheck in the end. And it, it's just, yeah. and it, Which it, she did in Crystal Skull. Yes. But this felt even, like, she she's just got groceries. No, she she's... <laughs> I made you a sandwich, Indy. Cool. She, at the very... Is very involved in the plot of Crystal Skull. Yeah, she's I don't, not involved I don't remember. in the plot I remember she showed up at some point because, you know, her child is murdered in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Killed off screen. And, you know, there's, there's that. There's... And again, I, I go in, we, or we went in, we wanted to like it, mm-hmm. we got some laughs, we got, like, uh, my DVDs. Oh, that quote's gonna live. Because we couldn't understand what one character was saying. Marion's father says, like, my bad knees or something like that, or Dan thinks it was an abbreviation of something. Well, Helena Shaw's father, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, my, like, my knees are my... 
dio-retriculosis, yeah, just heard whatever. DVDs because it wasn't the Dolby cut. Like, I can't jump in the river. What about my DVDs? And I mean, we could laugh because the audience apparently didn't turn out either. I mean, it was during the work empty. week. Yeah. yeah, but five people for an Indiana Jones movie? Never my day, what I think. And it was just a, a very weird experience. Mm-hmm. Even the music felt a little flatter. Lacking. Yeah, and I, I felt that too. Because I wanted to discuss this with you because it felt like... Well, that's one of my notes for this movie, how the, the music pops. Oh, no, yeah. no, yeah. this movie, yeah. definitely. But yeah. Dial of Destiny was kind of just, um... I was hearing a lot of Star Wars stuff. I wonder why, Dan. Like, I was hearing, like, a lot of... Well, obviously, John Williams, the great John Williams, mm-hmm. uh, you know, does a lot of... You know, does all of these movies. But it, it, it felt like not him at his... At his at his peak, sadly. Yeah. Well, he or, is or not 90, Yeah, he is ninety something. No, of course, yeah. and he, you know, he. Uh, if anyone has the right to just retire, Grace, it's him. But it just felt like it wasn't you know, as action packed. No. Like, during the moments, there weren't any bombastic scenes. I would say the train scene was the best scored. And whenever I heard the underscoring that I knew was going to go in there, and the dun 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 dun, dun, yeah. dun which we all knew was going to be there, even then it was underplayed. It was like slowed down slightly, it, it, and it, it it yeah. And I don't even blame him. I It might just be to how the movie was, like, constructed and edited, because there's a lot of, as a famous case with Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker has a perfectly good John Williams orchestrated theme, mm-hmm. as they all do, mm-hmm. but parts of it are not used, because the, the film was being edited up until the day it came out, mm-hmm. so there are just entire segments of the orchestra that are, that are gone yeah. from that film. And no shit, this is unrelated to everything, but do you remember when we saw Rise of Skywalker? I do, yes. I would never forget that memory, Dan. Do you remember John Williams' cameo? I don't. He appears... <laughs> I don't. He appears for two seconds oh. as a bartender in Rise of Skywalker, when oh. they're on the snow planet where they're going to meet the little puppet dude who mm-hmm. can fix, uh, or do the thing, the C-3PO. Yeah. His bar is decorated with objects that represent, like, all 50 of the movies that it's John so, like, Williams... Jaws, yeah. Yeah, like, the, the ones that he's won Oscars for. Mm-hmm. Like, the entire... I saw this on TikTok. The entire set is meticulously decorated with nods to all of the movies, that the most famous movies he's done. Mm. And he's in the movie for two, two seconds. seconds. There is no way in hell mm. any, any viewer will ever notice that. No. Um, but this is this is the the monster of modern cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure. I I guess we'll go back to Dial of Destiny someday. Yeah. Maybe we'll put it in the Sinister Six pot. I don't know. It could be there, but it felt kind of bleh. Yeah. It's like eh. Not not like offensively bad. No, just, just like a movie. movie. Yeah. Um. But we will we will rescind that for now yeah, we and just go had back to speak on it to a quality film yes. which is of course Raiders of the Lost Ark the classic so, Spielbergian adventure it, it really is yeah. you know oh. this is a, a a thing from our youth that we want to try to get back is like our first Spielberg adventure zany movie yes. i mean talk about colonialism talk about indy not being a accurate uh, portrayal of an archaeologist yes but you know the young me wanted to go into a temple find a treasure and get out in a zany situation yeah, yeah. i think we 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 all kind of did yeah. uh, anyone who who got into these movies i mean i know uh, a few people who kind of leaned towards archaeology as a career because they might have been inspired by mm-hmm. stuff like this as uh mm-hmm. you know as as kids it really meant a lot to a lot of people yeah. and 
I would assume also for, like, contemporary audiences who were watching it, if you were, like, a person who grew up maybe seeing some of those old action serials in the movie theater, this was, like, a modern, more realistically violent take on those types of movies. Because <laughs> there's a lot of blood... Yeah. The, the bar oh, fight scene. Definitely more bloody than I remembered it being. And I know Temple of Doom gets pretty, pretty graphic yeah. at points too, but there's a lot of headshots in this film that just are filmed well. Yeah. They look like headshots. A lot of headshots. Yeah, a lot someone of gets chopped up by a propeller. Lit on fire. <laughs> Snakes and are shot. burnt. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, this is in the similar sense as, you know, maybe some of us when we see, like, a comic book adaptation for the first time, like, what can we do using special effects to bring this into the modern era? This was probably a very similar experience for people who saw those old-time serials. Like, this is this is that, but on a gigantic budget, on a gigantic scale, yep. Yep. with realistic violence. Yeah. Um, so, we just rewatched it. Uh, mm -hmm. Unlike with anime, it was not a mistake. Uh... Good Movie Podcast will have us watch the movie beforehand, yeah. so it's fresh in our minds. Uh, but in the future, we will likely surprise each other. Yeah, there's things that we're going to do that are changing up the format, but I like yeah. this. It's like, no intro, just dive into the movie. It's fresh. Yes. It's clean. And <laughs> I'm not drunk enough yet to, to be incoherent. <laughs> Which I think Dan did on purpose. You're, you're putting it away like Marion Ravenwood, oh, so it's... Drinking uh, that water, and Dan said they're acting, and I said, I know. You're drinking <laughs> Perrier. <laughs> Perry um, hair water. <laughs> uh, but the... Uh, so yeah, so again, this format might change yeah. in future good movie podcasts if one of us brings a movie that is more plot-heavy. Which I think I'll do. I think that's the format that structures with me. Mm -hmm. Just so I can go beat by beat and like, you know, match up the trivia, the notes, whatever, yeah. to like specific moments. But it's fine. I could talk on the fly, too. I studied theater, Dan. Improv no. is my special reality. <laughs> Certainly. Like, I think that depending on the movie that we bring, especially mm -hmm. if it's a movie that the other person is unfamiliar with or that the audience might be unfamiliar with, mm -hmm. we're definitely going to do a standard plot summary. But this is Raiders of the Lost yep. Ark. We don't Everyone. need to, it, to do that And it wasn't as, um... It, not that much happens in it. No, it's which a, I, yeah. I did not remember. I thought more happened, but we go to like four locales. There's like one zany treasure. There's one gal, one guy, a yeah. few friends, a few enemies, and that's it. I say, oh, this is way simpler than I remember it being. It's an efficient, streamlined adventure. Mm -hmm. uh, so coming off of this reviewing, uh, you know, just did the rewatch. Any favorite scenes in particular? Um, I do like... I like the bar scene where Marion and Indy are mm -hmm. first meeting. I think that's good chemistry there. We see a little bit of why Marion is in Nepal in the first place, even though that's not really answered. She just needed a different locale. Yeah. Uh, we get the first introduction of Indy's friends with like a seedy past. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh, I know you. I've had this experience with you before. I like, I like that mystery because it opens itself up not to just put us in the place of the characters and our tropes, yeah. but I, I just like having that, like having to explore a backstory or make one up for yourself about these characters. And and to speak to that Nepal scene in that bar, <laughs> I love that set. Yeah, it is like we don't see any of the surrounding village or anything. It is no, just this... just the bar. Well, the bar is the village. She's the mayor, the bartendress, uh, yeah, the it, matron. It, it is like this cozy. Just I wouldn't bar say cozy, set. Dad. How would you get there? <laughs> well, no, but that's why it's like isolated. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is far off the map. This is like a it's it's like snowbound. It is. We only really see it. 
like it's warm on the inside, lots of warm colors and mm-hmm. everything, but then the outside there's like a blizzard raging that kind of like obscures the patrons who are walking in. Yeah. And in that bar scene, we get like uh you know, like a lot of I, I don't know, like it's it's a it's a really interesting take on the typical like gin joint mm-hmm. scene that we would get in a movie like this. Like every other indie movie tries yeah. to, to do also. Yeah. And I, of course, think the best part of any Indiana Jones film is when we actually see Indy doing his treasure hunting. Yes. Like, the opening ten minutes are flawless. Yes. That's a great introduction to this character. It, it explains the basic premise instantly when he's uh, holding the, the rod above the miniature model Kenilworth. Yes. That's great, too. It's like, oh, this is what archaeology in this weird universe could be. Yes. And it feels zany enough to work. And that's just going forward and... In different movies. I felt Temple of Doom is a little more contained in that. And, like, we're in that temple mm-hmm. a lot of times, like, delving deeper under the surface of this facade of, like, the the um, the palace above mm-hmm. that I always found intriguing. But whenever Indy's doing his job, that's that's when I feel the best. Uh, yeah. uh, and the fight scenes and the card chase was pretty good. Better yeah. than I remembered in this. But when he's fighting and being nonchalant. It- I would say it's as funny as I remembered. There's, like, a few offhand jokes. Yeah. It's taking itself a little more seriously than I thought. And I would say it's just the right amount. Yeah. Because Temple of Doom gets sillier. Last Crusade gets a lot sillier. Yeah. Yeah. And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull unintentionally gets sillier. And Dial of Destiny is just a riot. Yeah. So, for me... Uh, you mentioned that little miniature city scene. Mm-hmm. That is actually my favorite I'm, part. I figured, because uh, that was like the honor of discovering the Amiibo <laughs> collection. It, it's just that the way, you know, that the score builds in that scene, mm-hmm. and, you know, the little beam of light goes to where the arc is supposedly hidden, and it's just like, th- that embodies the mystery yeah. of everything there. Like, that, the, the music just swells. Mm-hmm. Indie, you, like, his, his reaction is, like, ecstatic because he's, like, looking like, oh he's, my god. He's this doing is, what he loves and it's yeah. working. Yeah. Like, this is where the Ark of the Covenant might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's one of my favorite scenes. And, yes. and probably the final scene with the Ark being well, yeah. opened. Yeah, that's a, that's a big moment. A lot of cool special effects that were groundbreaking at the time period. Yeah. Um, it's a little zany now. It did. This would probably be a continuing se- segment. And what horrified Jonathan that stuck in his head. Yeah. So, like, if we ever get to Exorcist, that movie changed my life, Dan. Oh, in, no, In yeah. a negative way. Because it yeah. still <laughs> horrifies me. This... And uh, Temple of Doom have two moments that would send young baby Jonathan crying into the next room. So, of course. You know, the face melting, it got me. It was effective. Yeah. And I, I again, it just, I think it kind of speaks to that, like, this is an adventure serial being taken more seriously yeah. because yeah. these are the horrors that these relics could unleash mm-hmm. if, uh, if in the wrong hands. Yeah. And Temple of Doom very much plays into that, too. Uh, and then Last Crusade kind of does, but just really one time. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wanted to deviate and do a little educational segment. Oh, you want to teach now, huh? Because... Elucidate. This is actually <laughs> one of the... This will tie into the next segment that mm-hmm. I want to talk about. But okay. I want to do some educating about the Ark of the Covenant. The, oh, you the, do? The, the central relic of yeah. this movie. And in my opinion, of all the Indiana Jones movies... The Ark of the Covenant gets the best treatment. It gets of like, like the the final item. MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. It, it it's its power and its seriousness are kind of 
consistent throughout the movie. It has like that theme around, like that little lay motif that plays mm-hmm. whenever it's like something's going on with it. You kind of feel the tension and Building, what it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know what it is. It's just at first we think we know Hitler wants it because yes. he's into the occult, a la Hellboy. That's taught us that. Yes, uh, the Nazis love the occult. Um, and it does. Well, and they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It yeah. pays off, but that's kind of like the trope we've come to know through film and stuff. Um, I don't like uh, how it's used for like a comedic beat in some of the later films. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I do not enjoy that. I think maybe Dial of Destiny would have been cool if Mads wanted to steal this again. I agree. And I done agree. something with that and been, like, going for some other MacGuffin first and then been, like, my whole intention was just to get this. Yeah. I was distracting you with some other thing. Like, adventure. Like, they show up to Greece and well, he's not there. That's a part where it could have gotten, it could have gotten, like, crazy in a good way if he's actually, because the Dial of Destiny opens with a biblical And artifact. also Mads has that backstory where he thinks he can do a better job, that, not, not a better job, a, a more efficient job at Hitler's own regime. Yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't don't take my words out of context and there. Yeah, Mads, Mads Mikkelsen in Dial of Destiny wants to go back and be a better Hitler. <laughs> like, he wants to go back and make sure that the Nazis win the war yeah. because he felt that Hitler, mm-hmm. well, as Hitler did, went insane and was like an asshole and then, you know... Was was too an understatement. Crazy. Then, yeah, Hitler atrocities, war. Yes. Yeah, was yeah. he felt that Hitler made sloppy errors yeah. that he, Mads Mikkelsen, would would correct. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm like, okay, interesting, but nothing is done with that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't. We'll, we'll get to that at yeah, some point. Yeah, but I, I think I've never made a movie. I haven't been a screenwriter, but I've seen enough films to be like, this might work a little better. I would love to have seen an alternate pass at it. Yeah, and there are other movies that do, like, I'm pretty sure even Captain America, the first Avenger, had never saw Red Skull <laughs> want to supplant Hitler as, like, a super Hitler. But, y- you know, obviously it never works. Yeah. Uh, but the... I don't know. It, there's 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 a lot of potential there to tell like a goofy ass story that mm-hmm. they just don't take. No. Um, but the the Ark of the Covenant, the central relic of this movie, uh, is of course a, a huge thing in in the Old Testament in the Book of Exodus. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant is where the fragments of the Ten Commandments were put after okay. Moses descended from Mount Sinai. Mm-hmm. Uh, he throws them down. He if you ever seen the Charlton Heston movie, he throws him down. And <laughs> which then, is a biblical accurate Biblically movie. accurate. <laughs> I would go Prince of Egypt, but that's just, which will be on Good well, Movie Podcast. We don't, we don't yeah. get angry Moses in that yeah. movie. He, yeah. we, we, we end the movie as he's coming down and mm-hmm. before he sees that yeah. they've been partying. Ooh, heavens, I la la. <laughs> A John, a John, we, uh, John, uh, what's his middle name? Davies. Rice Davies. Rice Davies type. (laughs) No, exactly. Uh, but he, you know, the tablets are kind of smashed into fragments. They are put in this Ark of the Covenant that was apparently built, uh, according to God's instructions. The Israelites, while they were journeying to the promised land, would carry the Ark around, Uh, like they do in the in the final scene on the little island, the yeah. Ark would go a certain distance away from the main group. Mm-hmm. A reminder of the covenant and like it's sacred yeah. to sacredness with making that pact with God. Yeah. And yeah. it would it would kind of uh, kind of precede them into battle. It would defeat mm-hmm. enemies for them. I think it brought down the walls of Jericho when they d- did that. 
Uh, I never went to Sunday school, so I, I don't know. Well, you know, that, that, the, that's a topic I want to talk on, so finish your thought and we'll get to that. Um, well, yeah. But then the Ark is, uh, you know, brought with them when they go to Jerusalem. It's put in the first Temple of Solomon. Uh, the Ark itself has accurately represented in this movie this golden cover uh with two cherubs on it well it's not cherubs they're like egyptian like i don't know if they're melting they're su- it's they're like supposed it's mesopotamian be. byzantian they're supposed to be cherubs yeah. they like so but i would assume mixing and matching other cultures mm-hmm. into there uh, you know i studied art history dad <laughs> and the the top of it is called the mercy seat and that is mm-hmm. where when rituals were being performed in the temple god would materialize on that spot. So, uh, where the movie deviates from, I guess, the Old Testament narrative, or whatever, uh, is that, uh, in the movie, they're like, the the Ark kind of goes missing after Jerusalem is sieged one time, and we think, in the movie, mm-hmm. that this one Egyptian pharaoh took it and brought it to the city of Tanis, which was then buried by a mysterious sandstorm, mm-hmm. presumably because he angered the Hebrew God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the, uh, in terms of any biblical narrative that exists, the Ark was in the first uh, Temple of Solomon for a really long time, and then after the uh, Babylonians took over uh, or sieged Jerusalem, it kind of disappears from history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. No one knows if it was plundered from the temple and brought back to Babylon and then lost at some point, Mm -hmm. or if it was hidden at some point and then, you know, lost to history because the people who knew where it was hidden, like, died or forgot. Um, And obviously that's been a big thing with, like, I guess some mainstream, but then fringe archaeologists who are like, where did the Ark end up? Can we still find it? Mm. Can we get out there? Obviously religious scholars debate you know what happened to it is it real where would it have ended up that kind of thing um so the movie deviates from there to bring us to egypt Mm -hmm. um what what did you i was gonna say you know i was very into religion and seminary as a youth Mm -hmm. uh that would be another path i would follow and you know this series in rewatching at least the earlier ones it strikes upon religion a lot it does um i don't know how spiritual you are but uh, I wanted to just hear your comments about religion in this world, because Indy in this film, even though it's not first in the canon, mm-hmm. says, like, I don't believe in that mystic mumbo-jumbo, but he does see quite a few religious deities <laughs> uh, no. throughout his experience. And I think that's veiled. I think there's a lot of um, some elements of Star Wars, obviously, but other Spielbergian works mm-hmm. are very religious. So, yeah. you know, there's the commentary on that to make, too, is like, is God real Indy is portrayed as a Christ-like figure doing good for the sake of doing good. I I suppose I I would describe myself as a as a spiritual-ish person, mm-hmm. but I mostly kind of respect Well, you're a Protestant. I I yeah. <laughs> you haven't suffered the guilt uh, uh, of the Catholics. A heathen, I suppose, yeah. but I I kind of very much am fascinated by the lore behind religions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. especially with this kind of stuff. And that's actually what I was going to bring up next anyway, okay. so this well, synchronicity here. Wonderful. Um, is the way that these movies kind of strike that balance between Indiana doesn't necessarily believe in this stuff, but mm-hmm. he respects it. Yeah. 
the Nazis believe in it, but they don't respect it. Yeah, those who didn't want to use the stone, yeah, <laughs> could obtain it. And and that was was kind of, I don't know, just a really powerful part of this movie for mm. me because obviously with the, within the Indiana Jones thing, uh, when we get to Temple of Doom, yeah. And to a lesser extent, Dial of Destiny, I guess. Other gods... Keep talking about Dial of Destiny, like we're gonna watch it in the next century at some point. Like, like other gods, other religions yeah. are true. I really like that type of Yeah, I, I like that too, that everyone is not in the wrong, and he's not doing it, like, offensively. At yeah. points. At points. I think he does roll his eyes at certain points in Temple of Doom. Yeah. Um, and it may come up again later in the series, but he does learn. He's like, oh, well, I guess they believed it was real because my heart was ripped out from me. Yeah. And got put back in so and, and i i kind of love that because that opens up so many storytelling possibilities i never watched young indiana jones adventures so i don't know if they some used homework that. for you yeah um but i like the all myths and all religions mm -hmm. are true yeah. type of universe yeah um but it, again it is a recurring thing where indiana jones even if he doesn't believe what he's being told he respects the power that these artifacts have mm -hmm. and the villains never do yeah. the villains are you know they're in hubris they're they're trying they're to their own undoing obviously like, we, we even get that with alfred molina like that's our yeah. first scene introduction is like oh this is my friend i've known him for a while the power of friendship another mm -hmm. theme that i wanted to talk about with indiana jones he always has these friends mm -hmm. that if, even though if it's antonio banderas <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on a boat who's a master diver the best frogman of the Mediterranean yeah. we'll, we'll hear a bit about their backstory and be like that's my good friend I know them yeah. they're not just here to help me out and he'll have this friendship with them they usually meet an untimely end mm -hmm. until sometimes they don't Yeah, but we see Alfred Molina as you pointed out he's here his first theatrical yeah. role, I he think. He comes, he betrays Indy, he takes the idol and the whip and leaves and then is immediately killed. Yes. So it's like, you can't go against your friends. No. In the archaeology business. <laughs> and it's like, that brings up Belloc, our, our French main antagonist, mm -hmm. who is also a adventuring archaeologist, but as he says in a very, like, a prideful moment at the beginning is like I am yeah. your shadowy reflection, Mondu. Yeah. Like I, I am your yeah. like a dark reflection of yeah. you. And they almost did him the way I wanted him to be. Okay, like if he would have done a heel turn and been good at the end and didn't die yeah. in some way, like he was he was towing the line, Dan, between you know womanizing Marion, which I don't think he was very into in the first place. I think he just wanted to see a pretty dress on a model. Yeah. But that that's just me. What do I know? Um, but I, I think if they would have made him just realize, oh shit, I'm working with Nazis. Yeah. This is not good. Maybe help Indy and Marion out of their final situation. That would have been a bit, left a better taste in my mouth than having his face melted off. Well, and that's the thing is that the way that Belloc is presented, it's he thinks that he's five steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. And his whole thing with the Nazis is because obviously this is, uh, you know, at this point in Spielberg's career, we we do get stupid jetpack Nazis. We we get like, you know, this separate, uh, the, the occult side of the Nazis doing this shit with these relics and everything. And obviously, um, you know, we, we don't need to be told who Nazis are. No. We know that they are dicks. We yeah. know that they are We love are, when they get evil. punched. We love when they get run over by cars. We, know when they, we love when they get melted yeah. and yeah, struck by lightning. And, but uh, I think Balak's one major crime was that he was French. 
Probably in the yeah. American, and it does get propaganda. Yeah, like, you know, America bold and the brave, even though we're stealing these icons from different countries, we're gonna house it in America. Well, and it could just be a simple matter of like a cliche of like a snooty French person, because yeah. Belloc yeah. is very yeah. much he thinks that he is 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 superior to everyone. And even though he is working with, you know, the, the horrific evil that is the Nazis, mm-hmm. he plans to outsmart them, pretty much. Yeah. He plans to stage his ritual with the Ark of the Covenant, mm-hmm. open it up, Realize get the secrets. it's sand or whatever, yeah. Well, and then... in his ideal plan, mm-hmm. he wants to open it, get the power that it holds, and, and then, then he, he'll yeah, give dip. Hitler the empty box that's Which, left over. Which uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridges kind of, sort of, was on the verge of, too. Yes. Like, she seemed like she was doing that, but then at the same time, she was like, oh, I'm on Indy's side. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. there were points. Another Dial of Destiny thing to talk about when we get there well and that that what, what you were just talking about with with how this adventuring is done mm-hmm. and like the power of friendship and everything yeah. like that yeah it is very much like okay right from the get-go belloc and indiana are set up as like opposites of each other but what is indiana not willing to do he is not willing it seems to like betray his friends yeah. And he's also not willing to, like, take advantage of, like, the people who these relics mean something to. Yeah. Which we'll get to with Brendan Fraser in The Mummy one day. Yeah. Same thing. Um, well, very much the same thing. Like, <laughs> and they also, yeah, they go around, they have friends and contacts uh-huh. from the war yep. and etc. Yep. And they meet Well, up we're with only watching the first two, maybe. Uh, well, yeah, we don't need you to. You know, I, I do like Michelle Yeoh, but I don't like that third one. Or that fourth one? Ooh. <laughs> no, um, but uh, another series that should have died earlier. <laughs> but yeah, so it's like he is—he is an honorable thief, yeah, a yeah. raider perhaps. Yeah. But yeah. there are levels that he's not willing to go to that Belloc mm-hmm. is. Belloc and- is is has sold his soul mm-hmm. to the Nazis. Yeah. It's giving Casablanca, Dan. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's uh, you know used the idol to kind of get the like the natives in that area around the Golden Idol to kind of do what he wants. They they're with him simply because he speaks. He learned their language and he tells them, mm-hmm. "Oh, this Indiana Jones guy is is pilfering your, yeah. your temple. Go get yeah. him." And you know that. That's the contrast between them. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, throughout the movie, Belloc has an array, uh, be it Nazi or, like, uh, like Egyptian muscle around him who mm-hmm. are ready to kill other people to get what Belloc wants. Yeah. And Indy doesn't have that. Indy is, like, he's saved by the kids, like, Sala's kids oh, coming yeah. in yeah, to get him. the children, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's, like, I think that's the, the difference between the two of yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, um, why he needs to take a little miniature golden Julian Beckhead and bring it to America, I won't understand. Yeah, he, on but, behalf of the fictional college that he works for, Marshall University, mm, yeah, which is, uh, I guess it's in Connecticut, it's a fictional place, yeah. but they have a museum, I would assume, that he keeps bringing these artifacts back to, and I think in an ideal setting, because in Last Crusade, mm-hmm. he does successfully get the cross of Coronado back to them. I'll just but... say, young Harrison Ford in a tweed suit, I'd be the love me girl too. My eyes would be blinking. Yeah, he's when he's giving the, the lesson <laughs> about Pokemon names. And that uh, leads into my next point. Indiana Jones and masculinity, Dan. Yeah. We have to talk about that. He is yeah. a triumphant figure of masculinity. He's not a womanizer, but not he can really. he can dabble if he needs to, but in yeah. an effective way. He's not a douchebag. He's not. Yet. 
I don't know if it gets worse in other movies, but in this one, he's all he says to Marianne is like, at one point he tells her to shut up, but he's trying to think of a way out of a situation. But yeah. then, and he does leave her without saving her first, but he has his reasoning. It, he's not as big as a douchebag as we've seen on this podcast by far. No, and yeah. arguably yeah. he... he be, by his nature of being like this adventurer serial protagonist, mm-hmm. he has probably left a lot of women behind, yeah. but he's not like he doesn't, you know, but, fuck them and leave. Yeah, as yeah. you said, he's not a womanizer. If yeah. anything, he he meets women, but his sole focus is the archaeology, the adventure, <laughs> and because of that, he's left behind yeah. a lot he's of burned people, a lot of candles, uh, you know, who who fell in love with him, perhaps, yeah. but he. He is, like, a pretty, I would say, decently masculine protagonist. Yeah. He's not, like, a, a dick. He does process his, like, emotions Cultured, pretty Cultured, intelligent well. professor and explorer. Yeah. yeah. Well, duality. Because yeah. his day job is he's got to be the stuffy professor. Got to be then brain guy. And then the broad, broad guy. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, he, he really does have that duality really well. Um, if anything, like, most of the beefier people in these movies meet with horrible fates uh i'm just thinking of temple of doom where there's a lot more of that yeah (laughs) the negative side comes out to play a little bit more but to be honest if i was in uh kate capshaw's shoes yeah wouldn't you yell at me audience (laughs) probably yeah shut up jonathan (laughs) okay (laughs) might you might might test the patience yeah um but you know that that kind of brings uh you know the next kind of section to the forefront Mm -hmm. the characters yes what what do you think besides you've already broached the subject of indiana Uh what do we think of the surrounding very efficient small cast in this movie i was gonna say there weren't much in this i think sala is like a true blue but then i'm looking at davies playing i non-white character and that's all i see and he's constantly brought back and every time it just chafes a little bit more and i would say that one of the interesting things with sala is that they could have just made him british living in cairo yeah they could that's all they could have done and then like they've i think they've had the chance to do that but then they keep not doing it because then in 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 dial of destiny he's like (laughs) oh i know what it means to be an egyptian man and i'm like i but Sala as a character has never been looked at in that way. Like, I don't... In, in terms of, like, retroactive discussion of movies, Sala has never been brought up as, like... In that same way that more problematic movie yeah, roles have... He's not ne- overtly offensive, because yeah, he's a nice he's, guy, but at times it's like, oh, he's putting on the accent, he's putting on the mannerisms. No, He's exactly. inventing sayings that wouldn't exist for a white person. Well, singing a lot of British, like, show tunes, too. And, yeah, and... he's singing Gilbert and Sullivan, Dan. Yeah. Who, you know what? That's where we got the term weeb from. <laughs> and really? <laughs> yes, because the British were obsessed with Japanese culture, and Gilbert and Sullivan said, you're all a bunch of weebs. We're going to invent weebisma or something like that. Oh. Because most of their operettas concerned the Far East. That's okay. That's fascinating. Yeah, bring it full knowledge. circle. <laughs> bring it full circle. Like the Mikado, you know, we got all that stuff. It's from that. Yeah, incorporating that culture into their own. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know if it's because of the charm of the character or just like the status of Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I've never heard Sala like brought up in the same way as like other problematic. Well, we'll characters. do it here. <laughs> like. Uh, you yeah, know, and I, just, I don't know if it just speaks to... Well, they make him bumbling. The it's like bumbling, he propagates a lot, he he has a lot of children. In Dial of Destiny, he had some new kids, huh? 
grand i would hope grandkids mm, i don't know Dan. that was never he said who wants ice cream <laughs> That's I, I, yeah, and we we don't know if he got his ice cream or not we no, think he, that he he got to lick something over he, there yeah he might have gotten hit by a truck and then they got to go back in time <laughs> to, to stop sala from getting that would have been a better plot i would have loved that <laughs> but you know he he uh, again it's just one of those things where it's like is is this movie kind of at the status where yeah. people don't criticize it for that mm-hmm. stuff as much uh-huh. um, another character Ronald Lacey as what's German Tor Tot Tot Tot's name yeah. is I think it appears in the credits but it had only ever been mentioned in a TV commercial mm-hmm. and then it was confirmed by Lego Lego Indiana Jones which is a lot yeah. and I had to think of the point like what would it take for me to play a Nazi that isn't in the producer style yeah. of Roger Debris yeah. uh, with like you know hamming it up because that would be fine but this is the role this guy is known for. It is. I looked at his Wikipedia article while the film was going, and, like, to be known as playing a Nazi so well and not in much else. Yeah. That takes a lot. I mean, of course, you're a part of cinema history. You're one of the most influential films of, you know, our recent lifetime. Yes. But you are also playing a Nazi. And I would argue, in terms of character design, you know, obviously, real actor, we're not... But in terms of character design... He's got an iconic look. He's got well, like he's the little got the, bowler the SS hat outfit. Yeah, the 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 stupid Morpheus glasses. Yeah. He's got like his. He's like a short little dude with a like a creepy lip, looking lip smile. Fillers, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know you can draw that character from memory. You know who mm-hmm. he is, what he does in this movie. Yeah, um, you could tell he's a Nazi at sight because it's it's him on behalf of the Nazis. It's him and then other Nazi like beefier nazi who also gets his face exploded at the end who i don't remember the name of yeah just beef boy but is more like is a more typical blue-eyed blonde hair looking Mm -hmm. aryan race yeah and and, you know and obviously that that opens up the discussion um obviously steven spielberg you know the nazis were in this movie portrayed as like goofy villains they Mm -hmm. they they're like cartoons that's how they've lingered throughout the rest of history and all then, of bed knobs and broomsticks, which I think did it first. Yeah, well, it, it almost definitely <laughs> did. Um, and you know, of course, we have like the stupid jetpack Hitler trope. Why couldn't where, that be on good movie podcast? <laughs> you know, where it, it's like uh, the, the the Nazis are portrayed that way. Uh, and and I would I, I this is a good point to discuss. Yeah. Is like yeah, we have to bring it up. So Steven Spielberg, after he made uh, Schindler's List, yes, yes. He, he decided no more. We're uh-huh. not doing we're not mm-hmm. doing cartoon Nazis anymore mm-hmm. because like after looking into uh, obviously the atrocities Spielberg, that they committed. Yeah, yeah, after Spiel- like, you know Spielberg himself is Jewish, yep. he, you know, and after yep. immersing himself in that stuff for Schindler's List, he's like no more. Mm-hmm. Which is why in Crystal Skull, it's Kate Blanchett is. <laughs> Stalin's number one psychic yeah, gal. The Ruskies instead. Um, but what do you think of that of that dynamic? I I never like as a youth, it came across as like oh it's cartoony. Mm-hmm. Now it's kind of like their crimes were a little bit more serious. I would love to see Angela yeah. Lansbury like kick a Nazi in the nuts, all up and up some broomstick. That would nothing would fill me more with glee, but. They have weightier crimes there. Well, and it is probably one of those things where if you saw this movie as a young kid, you probably hadn't hit the point in school yet where you would have gone in-depth about what the Nazis Mm -hmm. did. So you you knew who they were, you knew that they were the bad guys in World War II, 
but you you know you weren't at that age yet mm-hmm. where you would have like learned about the the, the fucking breadth yeah. of their crimes. Um, I know. And then it, we read Mouse Night, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, of Diary of Anne Frank, Number of the Stars, yep. Uh, yep. And, and it's one of those things. Like, yeah, I can see why this you know why Spielberg would kind of mm-hmm. shift gears like that. Mm-hmm. I assume that the alternate argument would be. I, I forget who said it, but but one of the best ways to tackle historical monsters mm-hmm. is to kind of stand the on their yeah. stand yeah. on their throat and, yeah. and mock them. Yeah. Because that yeah. is the way that you bring no, and, them down. And there's different schools and it blends together like, you know, producers, which we might watch. That's yeah. a three hour musical though. I think it's a very solid musical adaptation and they do just that. Yeah. They they, they mock them incessantly for three hours. I would say even something like Lupin the Third when yeah, we yeah, watched yeah. that movie yeah. with fake Hitler at the Anime end. Hitler, yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah, the whole thing was just setting up so that Lupin could could mm-hmm. rightfully make fun of this guy yeah. and his, his adherence to this fucking nut job Hitler. So yeah. that's... It's, it's, it's interesting because obviously in a lot of anime even, we get a cartoon Hitler yeah. that shows up. Yeah. And he's usually disposed of rather quickly. Really quickly, comically. We got him in Read or Die. We got him in Lupin the Third. In uh, the Dragon Ball Z Fusion Reborn, mm-hmm. Hitler shows up for oh a second. Oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. And Gotenks destroys him with, like, the kamikaze ghost technique or whatever. Great. And it's like, yeah, it's like, what, what dynamic do you play between making fun of them and... You know, uh, it's a it's a hard line. Like yeah. it's subject material that not all of us could broach, and I think he's Spielberg has done a good enough job of playing both sides of it. That yeah, it effectively comes across. We know his intent, and I, I will say that when since the time of like this movie and Last Crusade, whenever we do get back into stupid jetpack Hitler stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's usually like a branch of of like stupid sci-fi nazis like this was a this was a you know like in captain america mm-hmm. or in uh I, I know there was like that um iron sky movie that came out with the nazis from I, space or I, whatever i wouldn't know and it's like it, it really has become one of those things where it's either played sort of straight mm-hmm. but it's like an ahistorical branch of them or it's just a straight up parody yeah uh, so, like, these movies are some of, like, the the last occasions where it's, like, they are just Saturday morning cartoon villains. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting in terms of tropes. Yeah. So, in moving on with characters, mm-hmm. saving the best for last, that's right, it's the monkey. We have to talk about the monkey. No, yeah. just kidding, Marion. Marion's coming next. Marion, Marion, But, Marian, but yeah. w- want to discuss the monkey first? How this little turn code <laughs> yeah. plays both sides of the team? And this is a whole section yeah. of the movie. It's a literal... Ma- I remember the monkey being in two scenes. After re-watching this, half the movie's the monkey. The monkey, the movie. The monkey pulls the strings. The monkey's the number one agent. He is literally... Or she. 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 She is she? literally the most, like, skilled espionage yeah. agent on the bad guy's side. Discovers Marion's basket, notifies the other uh, Nazis that she's there, poisons the dates, and charms Indiana Jones. Charms Indiana Jones, like, immediately after seemingly getting his girlfriend killed. Uh, this would be you. If you saw an ooh, you would forget about me in a second. It, it could charm the pants off me. Yeah. But no, but, like, like, that's not a real monkey. <laughs> And then it's like a cappuccino or whatever. Well, no, because there is like literally a scene where uh, Marion we we get a fake out death 
Better yep. done than Chewbacca's. Well, they Chewbacca'd us. He was already planting the seeds. Uh, so Marion has seemingly just exploded because of the the capuchin monkey helping, <laughs> and the capuchin monkey is still sucking up to Indiana Jones. She's like getting pets on a table. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. Laying the groundwork for future espionage, uh, and Indiana Jones is none the wiser that no. this that this little monkey has been no. pulling the strings no. the entire time. And then, you know, only poisoned by their own dates. Yeah, and it would have been bananas in Dan's version because her eye patch handler yeah. doesn't tell her that he put right? the poison if he in the dates. Told her she would have known, but she was hungry, and she wanted those, from all that those evil dates. she was doing. They ended up being bad dates. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it, it really, the monkey does hang around for a long time. This monkey is a plot point. And, I did not remember that. And she's working for an eye patch guy who is working for the Nazis, <laughs> and he is, I would assume, like, one of their expert assassins, but that goes to shit immediately once the monkey dies. Yeah. Like, once the monkey dies, he's this gone. whole he's, thing... He's grieving, he's yeah. gone, yeah. Like the Rancor trainer in Return of the Jedi, <laughs> he's, you know, he's just broken down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then we get to Marion, yes. and I hate to save her for last, you know, leading ladies, I'm gonna have a special part for them on my mm-hmm. my side of good movie podcasts. Of course. There's always a leading lady or two that snags my attention. Um, she does a great job. I had to ask you during the film, though, like, is she the canonical one because she was the first one? And I have to yeah. look at that when we watch other Indiana Jones fi- films, because... Oh, my dad included was like, whenever Marion was on screen during Crystal Skull... You know, mm-hmm. I remember this during the viewing. He's like, oh my god, it's Marion. Like, so excited to see her. Like, Indiana's true love is back again. And I don't really feel that in this movie. I think they're friends. I think they're acquaintances. I think they have some chemistry. But yeah. it's not the best. Yeah. I... I I really think that by the time you get to Crystal Skull... <laughs> if I live to tell the tale... Well, no, I'm saying society. Mm-hmm. By the time society reached Crystal Skull, that was just a matter of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It's like, who can we get back? We're not yeah. getting Kate, Kate Capshaw, Capshaw back. Um, Even though I think she might, with proper, you know... Maybe. She could come back, but people wouldn't like that. It, yeah. I don't think people like her I, I in Temple of Doom. Well, we'll Winnie? get to that. Yeah. Be- but and then Elsa from Last Crusade is a Nazi. Yeah, she she ends she, up being a Nazi, she, she, so she we cannot, can't. No. She can't be That's the one. Not happening. And then that kind of just for nostalgia purposes left Marion Ravenwood. So she had to to kind of they brought her back, yeah. and that she made was the only her one. the one. Um, but in terms of like these serial, you know, action serial characters, Billy is probably unironically the. The most true to Billy. Why did that. I say Winnie? Winnie, I'm thinking Hocus Pocus. <laughs> yeah, thinking Hocus Pocus. That's Winnie! another day. <laughs> another good movie podcast. But like, Billy is. I would say she hits all of the tropes that those characters usually do. Well, it's um, more like burning on burgeoning on offensive woman stereotypes. Yes, yeah. but for the era that it's embodying, it's kind of like, y- you know. I, I, I always feel like they end they, they end up picking blondes. I only yeah. say that well, because no, yeah, it feels yeah. like it, yeah. it's always blondes. Blondes have more fun. That... Gentlemen prefer them, you know. <laughs> but but Marion, it feels like her character arc would instead be to like mature past the point where she needs. And Indy. I guess he does match. She she matches Indy in that way. Yeah, like she has a gruff exterior, um, as well. She's uh, tough. She yeah. She's had to grow up. Like she, she'll throw a yeah. punch. Billy wouldn't. Billy would do it like comically by accident. 
Yeah. And I feel that that's a better match for the American audiences. Like, I need a woman who would sock someone for me. Yeah. And that's so fucking... You know, it's so fucking weird with yeah. how modern people view movies. Yep. Is, like, we got characters like Marion and Leia, mm-hmm. and they were kind of revolutionary yeah. for the time. Yeah. And now we've circled the back around to where internet dweebs are mad when women characters are like that. Mm-hmm. Like, if they throw a punch or they can drink or they can do something yeah. else, and it's like, this is a girl boss, I can't, I'm so fucking mad, this is a man Mary, can't be What mad. a Mary Sue. And it, it, it's like, all of these iconic movies from your childhood had characters like <laughs> this. And it, you know... It, I don't know. Like, I think that Marion probably gets the most development out of all of Indy's yeah, love well, interests. Well, yeah, she's around the longest. She appears in more movies, you even know, though she was basically just a photo. And she, and in terms of backstory, like, she was kind of dragged around the world by her father, yeah. who was obsessed with finding the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. and then that, she kind of just got, ended up, you know, having uh, to stay in Nepal. Another thing that would have been perfect for Dial of Destiny, bring her back, have, like, you know, this yeah. guy contacted me about this. I don't know who he is. And then, like, the converging of storylines that it's Mad Mick- Mads Mickelson that's, like, behind, behind all... doing the yeah. same thing. Like, gosh, if only we were in the writer's room for, like, a spell. No. Not for the money, I... but for the joy of movies. I and was... then the money. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking over that all last night, and I'm like, you could have been fucking dinosaurs at the end. <laughs> well, you, just, like... you wanted to put... Well, listen, one of my plot lines was that they go through time and land on Jurassic Park... And yeah. that would have been the perfect movie. Because it would have been a stupid member berries Steven yeah. Spielberg thing. Like, and then they're, oh, on, a boat like with, Jurassic then they're Park. on a boat with Jaws, then you see E.T. in the background. If if that had happened, we would have to defend that movie mm-hmm. as, like, the greatest oh, yeah. film ever yeah, made. Yeah, I would be like, done, sold, if, wonderful. If they had reached the levels of hack where Jaws from Jaws shows yeah. up. Yeah, Bruce, instead of, Bruce from Jaws. Instead of the eels, in the, the, the Crash Bandicoot Those eels. fucking eels. Eels don't behave that way, Dad. I've never seen an eel attack a person so and it, it, it's kind of just like uh we'll get into that they're the dogs of the sea <laughs> when we talk about dial of destiny but i think it's worth bringing up for contrast sake like how this movie treats interacting with history <gasps> yeah. and how dial of destiny treats yeah. interacting with history yeah. because this is like certain things are sanctified certain things you know if he's you... using his brush tool even though he uses yeah. his hand it's yeah. like He's not afraid to be a little gentle with the artifact. In it, Dial of Destiny, he's punching walls. It's in his Kicking down tombs, yeah. That's why he has the satchel, because he yeah. has archaeological tools in there. Yeah. Uh, but but this is very much about respecting history, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and by the time we get to Dial of Destiny, it's like, I'm going to stay here in ancient Sicily <laughs> to, uh, you to know... learn how to pick the pizza pie. And... That's kind of like the saddest thing, I think, is, is just... Was it sad? I thought it was the most lovable thing. <laughs> I don't know. But... Aristotle, my love. Archimedes, my love. But there's one more character... There that, is? ...that I, I want to talk about. Uh, uh-huh. Katanga. Who is? Who is the boat captain. Well, he's there for a second. Then. He's there for a second. New York Yankees ball cap. He's there for a second. Well, no, no, no. That's the guy at the beginning. Oh. The, the Katanga's the boat captain when they're Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where he, like, covers... Uh, Marion, he's like, give her, give us Marion, and it'll be a good day. And it's a really cool scene because he's like, because he knows that obviously Belloc is a douche and that he's working with racist Nazis, so he plays into that like the stereotypes that they would have of him, where he's like, 
oh, this ship was heading to a slaving port. Mm-hmm. Like, give her, give us give the, the girl. girl. We could call it a day. Like, and it'll be even for us. Because yeah. he's trying to save Marion because uh-huh. he owes, like, Sala and Indy, like, they are friends now. Like, mm-hmm. this is one of Indy's new, like, friends that he's made over the world. And he's like, yeah, just like, you know, like... It, it, is when we first meet him, he has like the very like gentlemanly tone, but then when he's confronted by Belloc and the Nazis, he puts on like this fake, like, oh yeah, give us the girl and we'll take her to, uh, we'll go and get a pretty penny for this one. And it's like, oh, he's, he is a man of his word. He yeah. is doing his best to protect the people that, uh, that Sala put him in charge of. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't know if he gets acknowledged in a lot of places, but it's like an interesting little okay. scene that, that ends up ben- like the good guys always benefit from not betraying the people. Indiana around Jones, them. yeah, because it's like they're doomed the minute they, you, the minute you become betray, a traitor, yeah, betray Indiana Jones, you're gone. You're kind of doomed. No mercy. But like the small cast that does stick by Indy, benefits from it. Yeah, unless you're yeah. that poor lady in that that office that's got shot and yeah. Battle of Destiny and the other professor. Yeah, at. Uh, I, I, I New, forgot the... New York, NYU. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, like... Tish. I, I was, I was... Tish's archaeology division, Juilliard's archaeology Maybe division. Yeah, maybe Jessica Chastain was there, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, oh, if only she was a cameo. I that was, was sold by movie. I was literally about to say, like, Nicholas D. Wolfwood, uh, you know, school of archaeology, whatever yeah. the fuck he was in New yeah. York City, but, um, but yeah, so... This kind of, you know, we, we've kind of gone over a lot of the things, mm-hmm. uh... As opposed to the cringe corner that we usually have on Sinister Six, yeah. we're going to do Critical Corner ah, today. It's 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 Cringe Corner, okay. but it's a little fancier, okay. All right. a little more stately. So I figured this could be a recurring segment when we do good movie podcasts. Yes, yes. Um, is this a perfect movie? No. In your opinion? <laughs> no. Okay, and we will we will get to that. Uh, and what prevents it from from hitting that level, and what brings it closer Oof. to that level? It's good. There'd be no reason why I'm wa- why I'm not watching it. I mean, it's a good movie. I think out of the Indiana Jones franchise, it's one of the best, if not the best. What the puts first... it under Temple of Doom for you? It doesn't put it under Temple of Doom. It doesn't? No, it... Temple of Doom is far superior, even though it could be a worse movie. It's hard to explain, Dan. No, I mean, what would what would elevate Temple of Doom above Raiders, perhaps? Temple of Doom, I feel, is more comedic, mm-hmm. but it also... I don't know, it feels like more of an adventure, a contained adventure. Yes. I do love the map scene. I love when we're zooming around the globe, which we do slightly in Tumble of Doom. I think mm-hmm. it's in every Indiana Jones movie that the map scene plays out. That's a, a classic moment. But you know, you have to understand, Dan, when you start with Anything Goes... <laughs> it's going to win your heart. It's going to win my heart. When you start with an old Bugsby Berkeley musical number, mm-hmm. it's going to win me over. Like, that is a better movie for me. I... I like Indiana Jones as a character in this mm-hmm. one. I think he is a fine portrayal of an archaeologist. Well, an adventurer. An adventurer. Yeah. We gotta preface that. Yeah, he doesn't womanize <laughs> as much as I thought he was. It flows nicely. It doesn't overstay its welcome, which mm-hmm. is something that I say a lot on this podcast. But when the film is two hours and goes by like butter, when it's contained, when it's simple, I do enjoy that. But I also enjoy like a three-hour romp. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. I feel like it could be nostalgia that I've seen Temple of Doom way more mm-hmm. than this one. 
and it holds a deeper place in my heart. I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm, I'm not. No, gonna certainly not. Yeah. Certainly not. I'm just yeah. saying, like, if you had the on a meter, if you were like going to rate this, like, mm. what would keep it from being a hundred percent? Because this is what we would usually use Cringe Corner for. Like, what is the mm-hmm. thing that like brings this movie down? Or in yeah. the future, when we bring other movies to this, what would keep general audiences from loving this? But that might not apply mm. here because general audiences did love this movie. Yeah. So it, it's, it's you know. I think it takes a lot to pay off to the big reveal at the end, but that's also there for a reason. Yes. Like the Ark of the Covenant is full of God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you broke the covenant with God, so your face is going to get melted off. Yeah. It takes a lot to get to that point. There's a few moments between uh, Frenchie and... <laughs> And Marion, that drag a little too well, long. And also, do remember, uh, unironically, not in a bad way, the ending of this movie is literally a deus ex machina. Oh yeah, that's, it, that's it true. Is... They put the thing in the box yeah. for later to be mocked at. Yeah, that's that's a bad point. I agree with that. It, I don't like that. Like, I though... mean, it, it kind of builds to that because of the hubris of, of Belloc and the Nazis doing mm-hmm. what they're doing, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, it is, it is in the purest sense, a deus ex machina. The power of God quite literally intervenes in the form of a little solar flare yeah. effect yeah. and solves all of the problems in the movie. The, mm-hmm. the villains are undone by that fact yeah. alone, by yeah. not respecting it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That, that's all I would say at the current th- moment that's coming off the top of my head. Well, no, I I would agree with you, though, that it maybe the tone and the pacing would prevent this from being my personal favorite of Mm -hmm. them. But we also do have different tastes. Uh, Last Crusade is my favorite um, because, uh, like you said, that one plus of Temple of Doom for you is that it's all centralized around a a kind of location. Yeah, Yeah, they go above, they go below, they stay there, they have zany hijinks with them. For me, I really like, uh, as you joked when we were watching this, like the Zelda puzzles. Mm-hmm. And Last Crusade has location hopping. They from have one mystery puzzle. floor. They have cup challenge. Cup challenge. All of those mysteries and tests of character mm-hmm. that I love. And, you know, it required research on behalf of, like, Sean Connery's character and everything else to kind of solve mm. these obstacles. Um I like those aspects of it, and and Last Crusade also has more, also has more levity to it. Yeah. I guess if you watched all of these in order, Raiders of the Lost Ark arguably feels like the most straightforward, serious adaptation of an old adventure movie. Mm. Temple of Doom gets maybe leans more into that horror element that might have put people yeah, off. Yeah, which you know I think that was my my trials and tribulations with horrors growing up. I used yeah. to be horrified by horror. Yeah. But now it's one of my favorite genres and I think like the bloody Kalima pour, pour, pouring pulling the heart out of someone else's chest. Yeah. Like the voodoo doll centric thing. It used to scare me but now it just entices me. And just the same going from that and trying to dial it back with Last Crusade maybe you could have audiences coming away thinking that it was too goofy mm-hmm. compared to the previous, yeah. you know, outings. Uh, and then obviously Crystal Skull and Dial are completely different monsters yeah, of their cl- own. Not classified. Um, but that that speaks to our own personal subjective tastes. And, and obviously this this film is a legend. It is, uh, it, it's kind of categorized in what the National Film Registry is culturally significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started all of this. So... Uh, one takeaway, like, one thought that I always have is that 
I sincerely wish that more attempts to make movies like this would be made. Yeah, I think it's going to come back around. I think it's yeah. going to be a trend again. I know the big movie blockbuster now has to be like about how much money was spent. Yeah. Uh, we do have Barbie, which I think is going to change the game forever. Yes. I think that movie is going to be a cultural tentpole, and then it's going to cause all these filmmakers to scramble and try to make something to either rekindle the past or go into the future. And I think we will be getting some style of this movie again at some point. Well, and what I'm what I'm referring to is kind of like, because one thing is that a lot of big, big expensive blockbuster movies are tanking right now. Yes. And I They're think not good, Dad. That um, taking something like this, like taking a concept like these old serials, or taking a concept that didn't work, like cheesier old sci-fi premises, like old-timey kind of plot structures and stuff, and then refitting them for like a modern audience, hasn't been tried no. in to 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 the same effectiveness as something like Indiana Jones and Star Wars managed mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. um I, I really think that that you know it, it might be a good thing to try and obviously adventure movies themselves have had stumbling blocks yeah, for a few it's years tough. like that uncharted movie was all, like no one saw it, it i'm was just worried bad. that goonies 2 is gonna come and ruin the day yeah well goonies 2 or my personal arc of the covenant back to the future if that oh, if a remake no of that broadway gets musical announced, which is fine. It's doing great. That's I hear not a remake. I hear the American audiences are eating it up, so. Yeah. You might have to go check it out. That's fine. That's not, that's not, you know, mm, that's yeah. not violating anything. Mm. But if they, if they reboot Back to the Future, I'm going to be a little bit Think angry. They might. Um, but, yeah, that's, it, it, it kind of gets into this, this whole thing. For all of the obsession with 80s stuff, it doesn't feel like Indiana Jones has been, um, like, no one's tried to replace Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. I People think have... They, I think it was an idea with Dial of Destiny. Well, I'm saying in yeah. the terms of, like, a franchise. Oh, okay. Like, because people have tried to replace Star Wars, people have tried to, like, replace things like yeah. Back to the Future. Horror movie franchises, you could argue for a time, were mm -hmm. constantly trying to replace one another and outdo one another. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know... There, there hasn't been a competitor to Indiana Jones mm -mm. ever, I would argue. So I'd be interested to see if that ever happens. But, Uncharted. Uh, but, but again, it flopped. Yeah, it, of course, yeah. it flopped, Dad. Not, not in video game form, yeah. but it flopped in movie form. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's I don't know. But, but that kind of speaks, I think, to at, at least the power of these first three movies. They are cultural icons. Mm -hmm. So. It should be respected as such. Be, yep. be in a museum. Yeah. Um, top men. Top so, men. Uh, top men. That's where all my anime figures are stored. <laughs> Hidden from the world. Yeah. And safe from dust, mostly. Mm -hmm. um, so any final thoughts? Well, I just think this was a good episode. We mm -hmm. got to discuss, vent our feelings on a film. I love the progress in going forward. Mm -hmm. uh, we had good banter. Mm -hmm. which, on Love Island in here is an important thing to have. Yes. <laughs> Yes, um, I enjoyed it. I, I know I might be harping on the uh, Temple of Doom train. If I ever get there, you'll understand a little bit more why. You'll get there. Yeah. 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 So, don't, don't, don't tell me where I'm going. <laughs> I'll go where I like. Thank you. This elephant... I got, you know, I got a few good movies to talk about before oh, we get I to... do too. Yeah. I do too. Yeah, but yeah, someday I'll get there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. This elephant smells. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. It's fucking snake. 
Um, no, I I was very, very happy to do this. I think Raiders was a perfect film to start with because yeah. we can, again, good movie podcast will not have a definitive format. No. If a movie needs to have its plot emphasized, that will be the case. If it needs its behind-the-scenes drama emphasized, mm-hmm. that will be the case. Okay. But it'll mostly come down to why we love these Us movies. Us gushing over a movie or two. It, unironically, yeah. 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 So I, I was very happy to do this because I think Raiders is is close to being a perfect film and it's a good place to start with in terms of like mm-hmm. mass appeal, like a movie that really yes. captured a lot of people. Yeah, something to talk about, something that, yeah. and I love a discussion, of I course, love film discussion. You know, I love jib jab all the time. Of course. Mm. So, uh, now, we don't know when this episode will go up, and obviously we're not leaning into immediately another good movie podcast. And I assume it's under the anime was not a mistake headline. Yes. This is like a a one chibi boy, a two chibi boys The anime was not a mistake presents or whatever it is we're doing. So I'll figure that out. I have to write an outro. Um, I'm thinking on things, so Mm -hmm. it'll be done before this goes up at some point. Um, now that I have a better understanding, of I've dipped into the cool waters of good movie podcasts. And again, it can be played with uh, if you. <laughs> oh, I can play. If you wish to to laboriously write out, you know, uh, the um, the scene by scene recreation, well... <laughs> we can. That that is what this is designed to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Each movie will have to be treated yeah. as a unique thing. And so. I've already got. A guest in store for one of my picks. Not the next one, because I want to. I want to learn a little bit more. Wanna, Very good. I want to read the room a bit, but mm-hmm. got a guest or two on the line. So mm-hmm. if you want to call someone up, Bandit, maybe. I'm no, no, just saying, he's a fan favorite. <laughs> oh yeah, Bandit's gonna get an appearance. Don't yeah, what's worry. he gonna watch? 101 Dalmatians. Uh, no, or, no is he not into dog it's, movies? It's got to be something tonally. It's got to be something about food. So like, it's got to be like. <laughs> It's got to be like platoon or something yeah. completely tonally. It would be platoon in your household. It would be like Full Metal Jacket. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? A bandit owns the. He loves it. I don't yeah, know. Behind those eyes is a demon. Yeah. A cold. Bandit's seen that he's he can't he's gonna, unsee. It. He's gonna. Ex- oh my gosh! Suggest like uh, 120 days of Saddam or whatever. I'd be like, what the fuck? Well, no, bandit? he'll yeah, he'll preempt one of your choices. Yeah, yeah. For like, a, <laughs> like this is fucked up, bandit. Like a Criterion yeah, uh, yeah. obscure pick. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, who knows? Oh my God. Um, but but we will get there. But do we have any teases to offer in terms of what we might bring to this podcast well, you, next? You know, I got a tease right here in my book. I will say a few things, in fact. Uh, first off, it's going to contain actors that are near and dear to your heart. Okay. So you know the actors that are in it. Um, it's from a director that we haven't seen on this podcast, but you'll know him. Mm-hmm. You'll know him. And then I'll have to leave one other thing, one other clue from the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, In dreams I walk with you, in dreams I talk to you. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. My uh, first, you know, uh, or what will be my first candidate Mm. uh, beyond Raiders here uh, is actually a lesser known superhero movie. Great. I have only... (laughs) I have only watched it a handful of times, but it was one of those, like, love at first sight things in terms of how this movie is set up. It is literally not anything that you're thinking of. It could be. Whatever mainstream yeah. thing your your mind is going to, this is not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, quite the opposite, in fact, it is about a group of heroes who are not mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, and they are desperately fighting for prominence in Champion City mm-hmm. that is dealing with its own kind of superhero bubble uh, and it's kind of skirting the line between, you know, crime it's sky fighting. High. No. <laughs> Someday, but no. 
uh, skirting the line between crime fighting and corporate sponsorship. So uh-huh. I'm excited to bring it. So eventually we'll be seeing you then, audience. Stay yeah. tuned. We've got a lot more anime, a few bad movies, yeah. a few good movies. Coming your way. Yeah. So, but you'll always have us. <laughs> <laughs> what about my DVDs, though? My DVDs! <laughs> What's better than a bad movie? Well, sometimes a good movie, of course. And here on Good Movie Podcast, Dan, Jonathan, and maybe even a couple of guests talk about the movies that made them. Think of this as a once-in-a-while, more casual discussion on the details and nuances of films we love. And more of an after-movie chat with Nicole Kidman in the AMC ad. That's the kind of vibe we're going for here. As always, the Anime Was Not a Mistake family appreciates the loyal listeners like you. Thank you. If you want to join the conversation, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Anime Was Not a Mistake or our personal social media accounts that we mentioned at the end of the episode. With that, we'll let the music play us out. Thanks as always, and remember to ask yourself, what makes a good movie good? <laughs>